Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Red. I am happy to be back. Um, so, <clears throat> unfortunately, last week I spent a couple days in the hospital. I was uh, getting ready to go into work. I had my first call of the day. For those of you don't that don't know what I do, I normally um, fix appliances. So, what we call calls or is when we go check out an appliance at the customer's house and do the repair, uh, do the diagnostics and, you know, see if they want to get, go forward with the repair. Well, early morning, my stomach was really bothering me. I was getting some, you know, sharp pains going on. So I figured, you know, maybe I just need to use the restroom, hit the restroom up. No difference. So I went and grabbed something to eat on my way to the first call. Still, stomach bothered me. I was like, oh, man, you know, maybe I just got to stop again and, and use the restroom. I did, and it was actually worse. So I uh, ended up pretty much uh, just called my boss lady up and was like, uh, hey, um, I got to go to the hospital. I'm, I got really bad pains in my stomach. I went, the hospital actually took me right in, uh, right away, which was kind of surprising. It, they took me right into the ER and put me in a room. Um, it's not something you normally see, especially since they were, they were actually busy. Then uh, I got admitted. So yeah, it's been a lot of crazy stuff going on, but I got this crazy, crazy. Uh, <clears throat> so as, as y'all know, if you listen to the podcast, uh, we had a caller on and they were talking about the CIA and, and, and Freemasons and stuff like that. But every now and then he'll send me an email, um, randomly about different stuff. And, uh, he sent me something very interesting about, uh, Abraham Lincoln, the, uh, president and, and the supposed real reason why we went to civil war. And I started reading and I'm like, you know what, let me just, let me just read this for everybody to hear. Because to me, it was a, a very fascinating, um, I guess, uh, issue really. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reading, uh, what this is. So here's the, uh, headline for this. All right. It says Abraham Lincoln, true history of our 16th president. Um, and there's a bunch of side stuff that, uh, so by Willie Martin, uh, fatamanfesto.net. So if you want to check out what I'm reading, that's the way to go. No, the Civil War was actually fought over federal versus state rights and the ownership of the media, the newspapers, magazines, publishing houses, journals, etc. These media sources have been used there have used their power of influence to create hatred and division between the black and white races since the 1600s. I never understood why anybody says races. There's only one race. It's a human race. That's it. Y'all need to get over it. Uh, So here we go. A little has been published about the early life of Abraham Lincoln. However, during a search of some old property records and will in a small courthouse in central North Carolina, Alex Christopher, the author of Pandora's Box, which is something I want to check out, in one of the old will books dated around 1840 
he found the will of one A.A. Springs. Upon reading the will, he was shocked and amazed at the secret that disclosed. But one must remember that it is a known fact that wills, even though they are classified, classified public records, the same as property and corporation records, they are rarely combined through as he was doing at the time. And these records hold many dark secrets that can be hidden in the public view, but are never uncovered because there are very few who research these old records. So that, that to me, that's kind of fascinating. And you could kind of, you know, that's probably true unless you're really interested in history of, you know, where you're at. Some people just like to check out the towns that they're at or local counties, stuff like that. Um, you're probably not going to find out this information. This practice of hiding secrets in public view and the conspirators can say when faced with the facts and accused of concealing the records, they can pry well, it was there in the public record in plain view for any and all to find. In the will of A.A. Springs was a list of his property. It went into detail to whom the property was to be dispersed and it included his children, Mr. Christopher and others were looking to find what railroads banks this man might have owned and had left to his son Leroy Springs. He didn't find anything like that, but he did find the prize of the century. See that's the words that he used like he like you know just saying that that he's using is crazy. It's it's because it's you know it's highlighting it really. On the bottom of page three of four pages was the paragraph where the father, A.A. Springs, left to his son an enormous amount of land in the state of Alabama, which amounted to land that is today known as Huntsville. So there's pretty much saying that this person left his son pretty much all of Huntsville, Alabama. Then he went into detail to name the son at the first Mr. Christopher and the others with him couldn't believe what they were seeing. But there it is, was the name of the son, and it was Abraham M. Lincoln. Lincoln. So he's saying that Mr. Springs' son was Abraham M. Lincoln. This new information that they had about the Springs, real name Springsteen, Springsteen, oh boy. Family, this was just another twist to add to the already manipulative family. This new information about Abraham Lincoln built a fire underneath them to see where this new lead would take them. Because everything they had found in the railroad and banking saga had been a real mind bender. They figured this one would be the same. So they inquired at the local archives and history, historical records on the families and found a reference to one Abraham Lincoln in the family. Geology of the family of the Carolina by the name of McAdden in a published genealogy on the family. The family members in the Carolinas were in a limited edition that at one time could be found in the public libraries. The section on Lincoln and the story went something like the following. In the late spring of the year 1808, Nancy Hanks, who was of the family lineage of the McFadden family, or I'm sorry, McAdden family, was visiting some other some of her other family in the community of Lincolnton, North Carolina. While on her stay with family in the Carolina, she visited with many of the neighborhooding families. 
that she had known for many years. One such visit was the Springs family. The sordid details had been omitted, but obviously the young Nancy Hanks had found herself in a compromised position. She was raped and forced and was forced to succumb to the, the lust of A.A. Springs. She came, became pregnant, and as a result, there were no details of a love affair or an act of violence on a helpless female. Abraham Lincoln was the result of that act. So they're saying that Abraham Lincoln was actually the result of what happened to that young lady. <clears throat> Which leads to one leads one to wonder if the name Lincoln was real or a fabricated name, as the conception was Lincoln Lincolnton, North Carolina. Was there really a Thomas Lincoln, since the Springs were of the race that called themselves Jewish, that made Lincoln part Jewish as part of the Springs family? He be also became a relative of the Rothschild family by blood. Wow. Okay. That's that's interesting. Uh, the following information was delivered. Uh, I'm sorry, was derived from information that exists in the Smithsonian Natural National Archives, the Congressional Library, courtroom police files, public and private libraries, and a storage vault across the United States and Europe. Abraham Lincoln was slapped three times with a white glove by a member of the Habsburg royal family of Germany, Pesur family relatives, during a White House reception in 1862, the German royal family member demanded a pistol duel with, then, with the then President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. The blows to the face stunned Lincoln, but he non-verbally refused to participate in the duel by bowing his head before walking out of the reception room. What had old honest Abe done so to so enrage and upset the royal European personage? It seems that the practice of prescrutiny was running rampant in many families in those days, and that the German king Leopold had a illegitimate daughter named Elizabeth, who was sent to America where she lived in a very comfortable manner, although Leopold could not recognize her position, he was very interested in her life. In the early or mid-1850s, Abraham Lincoln and Elizabeth began having sexual liaisons that produced twin daughters named Ella and Emily in 1856. The regal German father, who was so royal, uh, royally upset, with Old Honest Abe probably had full knowledge of what the true bloodline of Lincoln really was. Abraham's wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, did not find out about Elizabeth, Ella, and Emily until 1865. Previously to being informed about Elizabeth and the twins, Miss Lincoln had developed a ravaging dependency of opium. Her main supplier of the drug was a former member of the Confederate intelligence community, he was a former member because the Southern gentleman did not approve of his drug pushing and unreliable behavior. It was because of his involvement with the Southern intelligence community, Mary's supplier, John Wilkes Booth, whoa, knew about the, knew about the lover and the illegal twins. After being 
burned by the Confederate intelligence community, Mary's Candyman Booth approached and became involved with the Rothschild Empire of Europe, for he realized the European bank and moguls would be very interested in his pipeline to the White House. At this time, Abraham was searching for an issue that would unite the North and South after the Civil War ended. The issue needed to be popular to all levels of American citizens, or, well, American citizens, but so they could rally around the stars and stripes, thus rapidly healing the wounds of the bloodlust, a bloodiest war in history. Lincoln was seriously considering one of the movement, one major movement or event that would galvanize his fellow Northern and Southern Patriot countrymen into cutting loose the United States of America from the dictatorial grip of Habsburg's bloodline of banking control in Europe. All the time, the Rothschilds, which for you that don't know, the Rothschilds, um, they're they're one of those top-notch families, and at, at that time period, they they already had trillions of dollars, trillions with a T, um, not millions, not billions, but trillions. So imagine how much money that family would have now, and the Rockefeller family was just the same. They actually teamed up, um, and it, it was it was uh, I mean. Honestly, a lot of people still believe that they're the ones that are in charge today and are uh, more than um, knowing what exactly is going on. So hopefully y'all are uh, enjoying this so far. If you like, please don't forget to like the podcast, share the podcast and give us a follow. Definitely give us a follow. Uh, No matter what platform you're listening to this on, I'll be publishing this. I hope y'all really enjoy it. Thank you again for listening. I'm going to continue on and hopefully y'all enjoy what you're listening to. So all the time, the Rothschilds were trying to take control of the entire world monetary monetary system. And at that time, the Rothschilds were trying to get a foothold in America and find a way around the British Virginia company and French bourbon family that were gaining control in this in this country through government help. Lincoln found himself in a real hot water because under the Virginia Company Covenant, the 48 families that formed it were all of the Holy Grail bloodline. This country was to be an extension of what all the royal families of Europe controlled. The royalty of Europe is Habsburgs, no matter what their name is. The royal family of England is one such example. Now, what Lincoln did is he wanted to become independent of the coherent uh, congenient in favor of his family. On the Rothschild side, the Rothschilds and their family bloodline have always been undermining the affairs of the Habsburgs and stealing monetary control away from them. No matter what the history books say, the Rothschilds didn't get total real control on things in America. In the Federal Reserve Unit, the Springs absurd... Usurped, usurped the Pesure family companies in the early 1920s. Lincoln had fallen from Rothschild's greats due to part of his execution order to print United States greenbacks, thus interfering with the Jewish International Bank's profit. Part two. I don't know how far I'm going to get in this because I only have, 
only have a half hour lunch, so <clears throat> I'm going to try to get as much as I can. Again, thank you all for listening. It appears that the Rothschild family wanted Lincoln embarrassed to the maximum degree. So Mary Todd's drug dealer, John Wilkes Booth, was hired to kidnap the President of the United States. Abraham would be put on a boat for a two-month cruise of the Atlantic where he would be injected with and addicted to opium and then dumped on the streets of Washington while the, the force, forcefully addicted president was stumbling around our nation's capital. The press would be informed of Elizabeth, Ella, and Emily. The drug pusher Booth and collaborator agent of the Rothschilds had his perfect accomplice in the plot to kidnap and discredit the leader of the North American contingent and the first lady, Mary Todd Lincoln, after being informed of Abe's lover and the twins, the kidnap plot, her drug supplier, Mary, was promised that after her, her, after her husband resigned or was impeached, she and Abe would be able to move to Europe to live happily ever after with plenty, with plenty of opium. Superficially, Mary expressed a desire to live in Europe with plenty of opium and no civil war or politics to distract her husband or family, but her drug supplier had totally under, underestimated the confusion, desperation, and anger of Mary Todd Lincoln. The plotters decided that the presidential snatch needed to take place in the public, yet discreet location where minimum witnesses would be uh, present. There were too many potential witnesses at the White House. Two hours before the capture was to take place, Mary Todd had the floor in a tantrum because Abe had decided not to go out of the White House that night. Mary's outrageous outburst caused Abe to change his mind and then and the first family departed. Several minutes after arriving at the kidnapped location, Mary instructed the family bodyguard to take a position that placed the family up. Uh, placed the first family out of his visual sight. The, the position also required the bodyguard to tra traverse several flights of stairs to reach Abe and Mary should he be needed for any other reason. A wagon with a wooden cover arrived at the back entrance of that kidnapped location with several men, including Mary's opium supplier. The plan was for, dr for the drug pusher to traverse the back stairs entrance, silently move down a hallway and opened an unlocked door to a darkened room where Mary and Abe were sitting. After entering, entering the room, Mary's drug man, Booth, would tell the president an urgent message was waiting for him at the war department before descending down the back stairs. Abe would be knocked out with a chloroform cloth. The kidnappers would load the limp body into the covered wagon and swiftly stow Lincoln on an opium boat for a novel cruise of the Atlantic Ocean. When Booth actually opened the door to the darkened room where Abe and Mary were sitting, he went into a panic and shock. Abe was sleeping with his head on Mary's left shoulder, and the first lady had her head turned toward the left looking at the door. When she was sure the man who opened the door was Booth, she turned and looked at the president to be sure the pistol she was pointing would explode beneath the lower left earlobe of her husband. Before Mary pulled the trigger... John Wilkes Booth, drug supplier, to the first lady, realized he was the patsy in all this mess. Wow, man. So they're saying that Mary Todd is actually the one that killed Lincoln, not John Wilkes Booth. But John Wilkes Booth was supposed to be part of a completely different scheme of things. 
Now, there there were attempts to kidnap the president that were foiled previously to this all happening, previously to his assassination. And there's also reports of Mary Todd uh, being addicted to a drug. I uh, wasn't sure it was opium, but apparently that's that's what they're saying it, it is. And apparently John Wilkes Booth was a drug supplier to the First Lady. So it, if that is true, you could kind of see how the way this plays out. And it, the, uh, man, that, that's just a crazy thing to read. So he was the patsy in all this mess, but he did not know if he was only Mary's patsy or also a chump for the Rothschild family. Were the men hiding around the back door of Ford's Theater there to help Booth with the kidnapping or there to point the false finger at the innocent Booth? Booth was not about to run into the hallway or down the back stairs to find out the answer to that question. The only escape route was to jump the balcony and crash onto the stage during the performance. The night Booth gave literal entertainment. Uh, interpretant, uh, I can't even talk right now, of the theoretical phrase, break a leg. So, came out with the break the leg scenario. As he fractured one of his during his leaping act from lethally loony Mary and the men lurking around the back entrance of the Forge Theater, in uh, a novelty case on a wall in Forge Theater, the gun that shot Abraham Lincoln. If anyone, if anyone, assassin, were to kill a head of state, they would use a revolver because several bullets might be needed to accomplish the murder and or stop any guards to escape. Uh, one would only use a one-shot pistol if they were absolutely sure that they had intimate access to the victim. Makes sense. The gun on the wall of the Forge Theater is a uh, Duringer, the perfect weapon for the left-handed female assassin who did not attend her husband's funeral. Mary Todd was not hiding in her room due to overwhelming grief and sorrow. She was imprisoned in her room with two armed guards for two weeks after killing her husband. In the 1860s, an act of Congress mandated that the compensation of widows of former and active Congress senators, vice presidents, and presidents, the month and duration was ratified by both houses of Congress for each widow. Mary Todd Lincoln applied for her widower's compensation three times and was denied the mandated, mandated, and if that means you have to get it, this is something that is mandated, there's no exception to it unless you're the one that killed the, the president, vice president, or Congress. So, compensation three times by both houses of Congress. An unknown benefactor paid for Mary's passage to Europe where she died in a small cottage in Germany. In 1867, the Secret Service was founded so that drunken municipal law enforcement could not unwillingly participate with drug-addicted first ladies or gentlemen in vengeful highbrow killings of uh, philandering presidents of the United States to cover up the murders committed, which would reflect a bad light for the preceding administration, such as the Foster murder is doing at the present time. So that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, absolutely crazy. Hopefully everything's going in good. Hopefully you hear me fine. This is from my newer phone. So I hope y'all can hear what I'm saying and everything's working out uh, good. But man, I tell you, this is absolutely mind-blowing. 
Before Booth jumped out of the balcony of the president box of the Ford Theater, he shouted at General Riley and his wife, who were sitting to the front row. Lincoln's Booth's words expressed his innocence, but also sealed the fate of, of the Rileys. Within a week of the shooting, General Riley and his wife were packed off to an insane asylum where they both died of unknown causes within 30 days of being committed. So showed probably showed no sign of, of being crazy or anything else, and it was absolutely crazy. So this is on Pandora's Box by Alex Christopher, uh, pages 282 and, and between 282 and 286. All, all good read. In 1861, the American people entered into the presidential administration of one of the most brutal, cold-blooded tyrants in history. His administration, hostile to liberty, ended the heritage of our early American forefathers and, and entrenched a system of criminal politics, monopoly, and injustice in its place. When Lincoln became president, morality and the Bible law were swept aside and a line reign of terror began. The North became one fast prison camp. English tyrant Oliver Cromwell had no regard for human life. Neither did Abraham Lincoln. That is what they're saying. Cromwell was the homicidal maniac who brought the Jews back into England and into power after they had been banished from the country centuries earlier. Lincoln brought them to power here, what is referred to among the white wing as Zonis occupational government, or Zog, was born in America under Lincoln's rule. Our cap captivity to indictment Jewish bankers began in 1860 when their abolitionist puppet and his mixed-race Republican Party rose to power. Abraham Lincoln's war was the second American Revolution. His revolution for black equality and the uh, idolatry of union worship overthrew the victorious results of our first American Revolution in 1776. The American people then, especially the founding patriotic colonists, Christians should have known better a few years after Cromwell's death in, in 1658. A British mob dug up his remains, removed the head, and hung the rest of the traitor's body by the heels. Lincoln's remains might even experience the same treatment if an educated American public realized the extent of his true crimes against this nation. So there is a part three and there is more. Uh, I'm not going to get into it. not going to have time to get into it because um, we're already 26 minutes in. And I, like I said, I only have a 30 minute lunch. So I am going to uh, finish this up more than likely a little bit later on today. So stick around for part two. Please give it a listen. I hope you all enjoyed uh, everything so far. This will be published hopefully within the next hour or so. Till next time, folks, uh, see you on the flip side. And please don't forget, if you see somebody that needs any kind of help, come on, man. We're, we're all human. Give each other a helping hand, especially times right now. Times are hard for everybody out there, uh, especially the working class. So nothing but love to everybody out there. Thank you for listening. Please like, share, and follow the podcast. We are on, <clears throat> we were on Instagram, but I can't find my page now. But we are still on Twitter, uh, Monsters, Monsters America, Monster Investigators of America, or Monster America. Uh, you can find us on there, on either of those uh, handles. And 
don't forget if you have a story or you have a from paranormal cryptid anything ufos go ahead and send us an email our email is miapodcast at protonmail.com again that's miapodcast at protonmail.com thank you all for listening i promise next time it's gonna be a little bit on the longer side i hope all of you enjoy again nothing but love if you need so if you see somebody that needs a helping hand, please go ahead and give them a helping hand. Until next time, everybody, take care. See you on the flip side.